Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. I love this, the word picture of iron sharpening iron. God gives us tangible family, brothers and sisters in Christ, to do life with. And so when I share with Missy as a sister in Christ, um, I am experiencing the family of God in ways that it's intended to be. I think for for me, Julie is someone that has my back in the battle, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Just to have someone else who is going to war against the enemy on your behalf through intercessory prayer is really a huge gift, and I don't think we're meant to do the Christian life without it. Missy will pray for me, and um, I will sense that truth, you know, has been just like one time I just felt like truth just washing over me for the situation I was in. I was like, yes, that's so true. I feel heard by my sister, but also heard by my Heavenly Father. Good evening. Man, I feel like uh, like we've stumbled onto something here with this Thursday night deal. Um, you know, I was like all day, uh, I, I was anticipating. It was kind of like the first Thursday night game of the season, like under the lights. You know what I mean? And we were hype about it, so it was cool. Um, man, I also want to say thank you to Missy and Julie. Um, y'all, these, uh, the, the videos we've been showing have just been super encouraging to me, but in like a, like, inviting me into prayer. Like, I, I want what they have, you know? Uh, and that's been true every single week. And y'all, I hope you see that's kind of what's happening here at Mercy Church is God is, is stoking a movement of prayer, and he is inviting you into it. Uh, in fact, that's really what this whole series is. The, the title of the series is Pray 20. Uh, I am not uh, the most creative, and I'm the one that came up with the name for this one, because the idea was just, hey, we're going to pray for 20 minutes every day. <laughs> pray 20, all right? It's just a, a simple call to action, because what we're saying is, it's a call to go get alone with your Heavenly Father, to go sit and rest and receive from the presence of God. Y'all, prayer, the way God has wired this whole thing up, it's how we talk with God. Right? It's the thing that's supposed to take this knowledge about God that we get from his word. And even in Bible study and community group with other people, we, we get this knowledge. But what prayer does is it transforms knowledge about God into an active living relationship with God. It's how we move from knowing about God to actually knowing God. This is how he's wired it up, why it's so crucial. And yet, y'all, for most of us, if we're kind of honest, prayer is probably the most anemic part of our spiritual lives. You know, we kind of, we, we do the things, we, we kind of do, do maybe sort of the typical things. We'll say a quick prayer before dinner, a quick prayer maybe before bedtime, you know, and, and that'll be about, that'll kind of sum it up. Like, you know, we'll try and get in a, this little spiritual kind of limerick before dinner in hopes that somehow doing that, this will appease God so he will bless Fried chicken smothered in cheese and bacon, as if that's possible to bless that. That's when you're thinking about dinner afterwards already. Listen, what we said about that is that if that's, our, if that's all we're doing for prayer, it's just settling for so much less than what God offers us of himself. 
right? If prayer is the way that God has made for us to actually know him, to draw close to him, I don't want to settle for just dinner and bedtime prayers because I don't want to settle for just a dinner and bedtime God. I want all of God that he has available for me, right? Some of us have treated prayer our whole lives as if it's this like break glass in case of emergency box over on the wall of the office, Right? And that's how, when an emergency happens, we'll go over there, and that's when we'll pray. Listen, I don't want to settle for just a God of the emergencies. So I got to have more. I got to want more than just emergency prayer. Y'all, this series is us saying, I don't want to settle for God as my waiter around dinner. I don't want to settle for God as my 911 call. I want all of God that he has to offer for me. We want to know him. And listen, I know. I know every time we gather, this is one of the just blessings that God has given Mercy Church, uh, and it is something to to steward. I know every time somebody comes into Mercy with this heart posture, no matter how how close you are to God, no matter how long you've been walking with God, or if you don't know him at all, it's this mindset of, man, I'm just kind of in here today because I I need God to help. Like, I I feel kind of backed into a corner and maybe I'm talking about you right now then as I've been praying through this sermon this weekend, kind of remembering that that's every time we gather. I feel kind of backed into a corner a little bit in my life right now. I've tried everything. It's not working. So I'll go to church and maybe God can help. And you kind of come in here with your hands up like, all right, God, you got to help because nothing else seems to be working. And what I want you to hear right now, before we even begin walking through this passage of scripture today, I want you to hear God loves you. He loves you. And he has set up this moment with you in mind. Since the beginning of time, he has planned for you to be here now. This is why we are named Mercy Church. We're a people who believe, plain and simple, no situation and no person is too far gone for the power and love of God to be poured out into a situation and to redeem it. That's his act of mercy is that he has plenty of power and love to redeem your situation right now. Y'all, this is who Mercy Church is. We're just a bunch of walking stories of the redeeming love of God, of the mercy of God, and that hope is here for you as well. So what I want to say to you is, Welcome home, brother. Welcome home, sister. The love of God is here for you. No shame, no guilt, just the mercy of God. Welcome to the the always hope-filled, messed-up family of God. We are so glad you're here. And as we continue in our series, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to pick up. Um, a passage that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to read it, and then we are going to feast on it, which might sound a little weird, uh, tapping into, like, if you haven't had dinner yet kind of thing. Um, I've said that twice because I haven't had dinner yet. Um, that's all that is. But, but really, y'all, that is what this passage is. This is Jesus teaching on how we go to God. He is setting a table for us to come and to feast in our souls. It's showing us how to draw close to God. In fact, kind of in honor of uh, the word that we're going to hear, the scripture we're going to hear, I want to ask you to stand up if you can. Uh, this is just honoring the word. It's, it's saying together we're going to focus our hearts and our minds on God's word and believe that he has something here for us. Verse 7 of Matthew 6, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. 
You can be seated. This prayer that uh, we picked up and began a couple of weeks ago, and we're continuing today, it calls the heart in two different directions at the same time. First, it calls us to look up. That's what verses 9 and 10 set up. It calls the, the heart to look up towards God the Father. It's to give honor and reverence to God. That's this hallowed be your name. I'm recognizing where you are, God, and, and who I am in light of who you are. It's putting ourselves in this perspective that says, this is God's world, not mine. Hallowed be your name, not mine in all the earth. It's to say before God, when I come to you in prayer, it's calling the heart up. Before we come and just give this like shopping list of prayer requests that are the needs of the immediate right now, it's setting us into the right perspective and saying, let me slow down my heart and my mind and acknowledge who I'm at the table with. Acknowledge who I'm talking to. And then the second direction which is the direction we're going to look at today, is looking out into our world. And today is going to be about how we invite God into our world and how does he change our real tangible lives. Jesus tells us to make three requests. We're going to be really focusing our attention in verses 11 through 13. And there's three requests there that God, would you give us? God, would you forgive us? And God, would you deliver us? And we're going to look at each one of those requests. I told you this passage is a feast for the soul. But to fully receive all that you have, all that's available to us in those three requests, we need to build a little bit further on the work we began in this whole idea of God as our heavenly father, which is why I read from verse 7. I didn't start there in the middle. Because when Jesus teaches here the way to pray, and y'all, this passage. Again, it's kind of a familiar one in the Christian world, but it's often called the prayer of prayers. This is his instruction, how you go to the Father. He says, the frame of mind you got to put yourself in is that you're a child, and the person you're talking to is your father. And so what I want to do for just a few minutes is open up that image a little bit of father and talk about it, because it's a really personal image. And God knew it would be a really personal image when he put it in here. In fact, his most common metaphor in the New Testament to describe how we relate to him and even how we relate to one another is the image of a family. And that is a super personal image. All of us have backgrounds with that idea of family, of father, right? Some of us would call that background baggage, right? Some of us would call it luggage, like, it's a lot, man, and you don't even want to go there kind of thing, right? All of us have a reaction of some kind when he says, pray, Father. And what you got to start with is remembering that God knew that would be the case. And yet, in his infinite wisdom, he chose to make us finite and then gave us this image, this idea as the chief one for us to understand our relationship to him through. And y'all, listen, we live in a fallen world. So God uses broken images of himself, such as fathers, to help describe our relationship to him. All the images God gives us of him in scripture, all of them, sin comes along and distorts our experiences of them. All right, think about the name um, Lord for a second. That was the name used for Caesar, who murdered Christians. The early church did not have a pleasant experience, a good background when it came to the idea of Lord. And yet the Christians applied the title to Jesus, calling him Lord Jesus, because he was the embodiment of what Lord should be. And that's why they put it on him. The fact that you and I know that our fathers here on earth are, are flawed, you know what that means? That means that we know what a good father should do. It's in the fiber of our being. You're created in the image of God. So you have this instinctive knowledge of how a father should love. If you didn't, you'd never be hurt when yours fell short. So if, you have a, if you're in here today with a broken dad story, or maybe like, maybe it's a no dad story, that doesn't make you unable to lean in here. 
You're not too hurt to be able to receive here. There's an incredible invitation being extended to you in God calling, you, God calling himself Father. The first nine verses of this chapter, chapter six, where Jesus is teaching how to pray, Jesus has called God the Father six times. It's an incredible invitation extended to us, but it's just one that we don't naturally embrace to its fullest. Either we kind of push against it because we got some background, or we just kind of let it gloss over us and don't really, don't really receive all that God has for us. The Christian message we call the gospel, the good news, says that once we were not children of God, and that's the, the language. Once we were not children of God. It's not like you and I have always been a child of God. And the hard reality for some of you is that you are not currently a child of God. God made us all, yes, yes. But when we sin, we declare our independence from God. And we say, you're not my dad. We separate ourselves from him. We're on our own now as spiritual orphans. And I want you to listen to the Apostle Paul's words in a passage that has just lit my heart on fire recently. It's Galatians 3, 23 and 24. He's talking about this spiritual orphan idea. He says, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned, listen to that language, until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian. Uh, as a, a brother here in Charlotte, Pastor Howard Brown, a great man of God, has taught me so much. He's up at Christ Central. He's the pastor up at Christ Central Church. Showed me this in a whole new light a couple of weeks ago that just, again, just lit me up. According to the Apostle Paul, the law, the instructions of God in the Old Testament, was our guardian. That means you and I, without Christ, were spiritual orphans living as wards of this law. We are waiting, awaiting adoption as sons and daughters. This is what sin does to us. It gives us the law, which does offer guidance. It manages our broken condition by telling us what to do and what not to do. But it does not heal us from our brokenness. That's because the law is a guardian. The law is not our parent. And our brokenness actually gets magnified under the law, because what we want deep down is that we just want to be wanted. We want permanent, unbreakable, forever love. And a guardian cannot guarantee that kind of relationship. And listen, some of you, though you profess to be a follower of Christ, you've been functioning as a spiritual orphan, a ward of the law. Your spiritual vitality is managed according to your good deeds, outnumbering your bad deeds. That's why you have spiritual roller coaster weeks, because you're acting like an orphan trying to earn the approval of a set of laws that can't give you what you seek. The law can give you protection, it can give you direction, but not intimacy. It can't give you relationship. And you were created for intimacy with God, your Father, to be a son or daughter. And Paul says, This is how we are, all of us under the law. We're stuck. We're stuck. We can't get out. But then Paul says, a couple of verses later, Galatians 4, 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, watch this, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Because you're sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts and we can cry, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The only way out of our spiritual orphanage under the law was for God to come and get us. You have to understand the insanely powerful image of adoption if you're gonna go to God in prayer as your father. You see this, these three requests that we're bringing this whole Lord's prayer. It doesn't make sense to you until you understand who you are as God's child. This feeds how you pray the Lord's prayer because you start to realize who you're sitting down with. Here's what it means for you to be adopted into God's family. 
First, it means that God bought your freedom from the law. The wage of your sin, the law said, the payment for your sin is death. So Jesus goes up onto the cross. First, he comes down under the law, and then he goes up onto the cross in your place. So you are now paid for. No more guilt, no more shame, you're free. And God says, you don't find God, he comes for you. Orphans don't have the resources or ability. Think of a a young orphan in an orphanage. They don't have the resources or ability to go secure parents for themselves. Adoptive parents come and get them. Jesus was born under the law. He came into your mess and said, I want that one. I want you. What's the price? Man, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he had the chance to back out of paying for your sin. And he said, no, God, not my will, but yours be done. He took the cross so that we could be set free. Your ticket has been punched. Your price has been paid. But he didn't just purchase your freedom. In this idea of adoption, this language Paul is using, what you see is that God not only bought you, God brought you into his family. He didn't just emancipate you from the law. He didn't just set you free, he brought you home. He gave you a room. He put you a spot at the family table for you and said, from now on, you're gonna go by the title of son. From now on, you are my daughter. Pastor Richard says it this way. He says, some of us don't really struggle so much with the idea of God forgiving us. We struggle more embracing the idea of God actively loving us. When God says, and when I, when I say to you, God loves you. That's anything but a Christian platitude. You got to understand that if you've been in church a while. Don't let that wash over you. That is the true parent, the one whose love you were created to have your heart filled by saying, I saw you. I paid for your freedom. You are now my child. So welcome home. Sit down and feast with me here. This is God, your father. You know why we don't enjoy prayer? Why we don't sit down with God at the dinner table and talk? It's because even though we've been adopted, we still function like orphans who think they need to perform in order to be approved of. We still want to earn a love that has already been fully given. And y'all, pastors are the chief. We're the worst of this, all right? Because we know the system the best. Tell you what, I've been following Jesus 25 years this year and I still try and earn his love instead of rest in it. In a second, I'm gonna show you those three requests that Jesus tells us to ask for. But what he wants you to see in the prayer is that you're sitting down to the table with your heavenly father who says, hey son, hey daughter, I love you. And all that I have, it's yours. It's yours. Do you know God like that? I want to invite many of you who have never heard this to receive salvation from your sin and adoption into God's family today because he offers it to you today. And I want many more of you to remember your adoption and just rest. Just embrace God's love for you. Stop trying to earn what you've already been given. Uh, My my wife loves the musical Annie. You guys know this musical? She's shared it with my kids, right? Our kids love it because y'all, it really is a hard knock life, all right, sometimes. And that's a song in the musical Annie. Um, there's this one song she goes into, I think I'm gonna like it here. And it's when orphan Annie comes home, so to speak, into the super rich Daddy Warbucks's home, right? And there's this group in the 1982 version There's this group of um, butlers and maids that are all there, and the head maid walks up and says, Annie, what would you like to do first? And Annie kind of looks around, and then she says, I think I'll start with the windows. And she says, and then after that, and she goes to pick up a rag to clean the windows with. And she says, then after that, I'll do the floors, because I don't want to drip. I want to be able to clean it up if if I do 
And then she, she hears the head maid come up and say, whoa, whoa, Annie, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You don't have to do any cleaning here with us. This whole place is for you. And Annie says, I don't have to clean? And she says, no. And then Annie goes, well, then how will I earn my keep? She can't fathom being allowed to even stay in this home without proving her worth. And I think that's so many of us with God. We've been welcomed in, and instead of receiving from the Father, we're still trying to earn our keep with him. And God says, you know what? I love you anyway. I love you anyway. Put that down. Even though you don't believe you deserve to be loved, I love you anyway. You need to become, we need to become dependent again like a son or daughter. We need to rest in the security, the soul-satisfying love of God our Father. Let me give you, by the way, just a little aside here. This is why we love adoptive and foster care families around our church. Because you guys are doing a holy, gospel-exalting work. So we praise, praise God for you. A lot more of us need to join them in a series where we're learning to relate to our Heavenly Father. Maybe many of you need to to realize that your next step is to start the adoption or foster care process. Tell you right now, learn this this week, there are currently 600 children in Mecklenburg County in the foster care system. There are 42 licensed foster care families. It's a crisis. It's a crisis worth us praying about and showing the fatherhood of God to those in need in our community. Listen, I want to transition us now with that idea in mind of God as our Father into these three requests. So looking out to the world around us, Jesus says, pray, God, give us. God, forgive us. God, deliver us. So let's look at verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. This is probably in the entire Lord's Prayer, the, the one that, the request that feels least urgent to us right? Not to all of us, but to many, because you hear it and you think, yeah, it's, I'm not rich or anything, but I got some bread at home. So it feels a little silly of me to ask God for something that I don't feel like I need from him. You feel like, I got that part, God. So you'll say this part of the prayer because Jesus tells you to, but you don't really mean it, all right? Maybe you'll be thankful for it at the table, like good food, good meat, good Lord, let's eat, or something. Again, one of those things, but it doesn't really resonate with you. First of all, a couple of things. Y'all, listen, some of my greatest God provision, God providing moments have been when I asked him for something I needed and I actually had no way of supplying it through my own ability, right? God, and you know this if you've been in that spot, God grows your faith more than anywhere else in those moments. Y'all, I think about when we started Mercy Church. We had to raise a lot of money to start a church. It was just part of the deal. Not only for the startup cost, but y'all, my family's daily bread was tied up in that. And over the next few months, I threw myself to the Lord in this prayer each day because I just didn't know how to make that happen. I had no background in that. And I got to watch God provide. And by placing myself in a position where the Lord had to provide or I had no other option, where a lot was at stake if he didn't, and then the provision came, what happened is the Lord didn't just fill my stomach. The Lord multiplied my faith and multiplied my joy in him. Way more than physical bread. I got the joy of trusting that my heavenly father will provide. Some of you need to ask yourself, when was the last time you put yourself in a position to depend on God for something that you needed, but you couldn't get it on your own. Let me ask you it about your money, since that was my example. Are you trusting the Lord with how you leverage your money? God calls us to give generously to his work, and I wonder if you are giving generously instead to yourself because you don't trust God will take care of you if you put yourself in a position where you're depending on him financially. Y'all, that's not guilt. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And he knows what's best for you is to depend on your heavenly father. He's calling his disciples, give us our daily bread. He's calling his disciples to push against their false 
sense of self-reliance. This is a prayer of dependence. He's saying we're children. We need to go to the Father for daily provision. And the Father loves to give it. He loves to give it. This is why it's a daily prayer. Life is far more fragile. That's why I said false sense of self-reliance. Life is far more fragile than we want to admit it, right? I mean, that's like a chief blind spot in 21st century Western world. But if anything, we, we sometimes get some fresh reminders of how fragile and how out of control fragile life is, how out of control we are. The coronavirus, I feel like, would be the present example of that, right? Any attempt at controlling your future is an illusion. And emergencies, what they do is they just reveal that which is already true. So Jesus says, like a child, we got to go to our Father for what we need, everything we need. And we don't have to be shy about it at all. Do children worry that they are asking too much from their parents? Not in my experience, ever. No, they keep going. And what happens is depending on God for our physical needs opens up our hearts to depend on him for deeper things. Think about this. The day after Jesus does the whole five loaves, two fishes, feed 5,000 thing, right? The day after, the crowd, same crowd, gathers in the morning at the beach um, at Capernaum. And they're asking for food for breakfast. Like, that was great. We want more. And in response, John 6, Jesus looks at them and said, listen, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He calls them, listen, there's something better. Receive bread for your souls. The provider of food for the body is also the provider of food for the soul. So when you pray, don't even just ask him for material provision. Come to him and ask Ask him for joy. Ask him for wisdom. Ask him for rest and peace. You can ask him for anything because he is your heavenly father who provides all things. Verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Oh man, this is one that just need to do the whole sermon series on this one. Look at how tightly right here Jesus connects our relationship with God to our relationship with others. This prayer, uh, let's go ahead and be honest, it's more aspiration than it is limitation. Like we can't be required to perfectly forgive in order to receive forgiveness from God. None of us would be forgiven if that were the case. But here Jesus has baked into our prayer for forgiveness. This, he's baked into this confession of, yes, we have sinned. He's put in there a heart check on whether or not we are really understanding the gospel and are walking only in the mercy of God today. And that's us forgiving others. So let me ask you some questions you need to be able to say yes to in this prayer. Here's, I'm just gonna kind of run through these. The, the manuscripts up on the website usually or you can write fast, I don't know. But the first one is, do you believe that you have sinned? Pretty easy starter. I thought I'd start us off easy, okay? Most of us believe yes, but we only believe it uh, most of the time abstractly. So be honest with this question instead and say, specify, where have you sinned today? Where'd you sin yesterday? (laughs) Night service, you've had plenty of time to sin over the course of today, right? (laughs) Second question, Do you, and this is a big one, do you believe your sin creates a debt to God that you cannot pay? This is big. When we sin, scripture tells us we create a debt too great for us to pay. It's a sin against an infinite and holy God. Only God can pay that. Only when you come to the realization, listen to me, especially if you're not a Christian in here, only when you come to the realization that you need God, Can Christianity be of any help to you? You have to get there and believe that, yes, I need God's help. I need God's salvation. And that leads us to this next question. Do you believe God offers you forgiveness for your sin in Christ? Do you believe it? This is the gospel. This is God being born under the law. This is God coming into the orphanage, God making a way home. He paid your debt That's what Christ's death was. It was debt relief. You're all paid up, but you got to receive that yourself. He died for you. You have to receive your salvation. To do so is going to mean he's Lord now. 
with that heart, then comes the next question. Do you believe others have sinned against you? Again, I thought I'd give you a breather question, a chance for you to make an easy yes on that, right? We all feel offended a lot. And then we get on social media and it like triples. You know what I mean? But then here's the the next one for you. The last one for today. How difficult is it for you to forgive someone and let it go? I'm not talking about, please hear me right now. I'm not talking about traumatic hurt that needs therapy from professionals to help you understand God's love and and to work through all of that to help you get to this place. In the moment, I'm saying the way you forgive others is a direct window into your understanding of forgiveness. Seriously. If you are unable to forgive others, it means you have not seen your sin rightly, nor have you sought real forgiveness from God. The forgiven people of God forgive. I'm not saying it's easy. Nowhere in here am I saying it's easy. But forgiven people forgive. And even find joy in giving and receiving forgiveness. Because we are experiencing tangibly, it's the way God is wired up, when we confess, when we go to someone and we actually utter the words, I'm sorry, I sinned against you. And instead of saying, it's okay, and it's not okay. Sin is never okay. Instead, we say, thank you, I forgive you. Man, those words, they go deep. They hit the tuning fork in our hearts that we're created for, to give and receive the forgiving love of God. Verse 13, as we close, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, Let's be clear here. God isn't planning on leading us into temptation. God's not like, hey, I want you to go over here and look at this website. And then we pray, no, God, don't take me there. And God says, oh, okay. That's That's not what's happening here. All right? This is like a doubling down phrasing for emphasis on what he's saying. God, keep us far away from temptation. Deliver us from evil. And temptation comes from a couple of directions, right? From one direction, they're they're the temptations to prosperity, right? Of power, of wealth, of pleasure. Things that will tempt us to forget God, to replace God. And to tempt us to think we don't need him anymore. But then from the other direction, there are temptations that are born out of adversity, right? Poverty, disgrace, affliction, pain. These tempt us to think God has forgotten us. So we get angry and we despair. Both of these lead us away from trusting God as a loving father who graciously gives his children what they need. So we pray, lead us away from that. Keep our hearts satisfied in you. Y'all, some of you are in a cycle of sin you can't get out of. You've tried everything in your own strength. And this prayer says, I have no strength. I got nothing. I need God to come in, pick me up, and deliver me to safety. So I want you to go ahead today and be able to say, I'm not strong enough. I cannot outsmart the evil one. And I'm tired from fighting this sin for so long. God, deliver me. I believe you will. I believe you will because I believe he hears and answers prayer and he set this whole thing up for us to pray this very thing. And your temptation to give up on God, your temptation to run away, your father in heaven is saying, stop, stop trying to do this in your own strength. Just lay down and let me deliver you. Don't run away and don't try to get by in your own strength. I love you. I can deliver you. Y'all, I pray this prayer for our church. God, protect us from the evil one who is prowling around looking for someone to devour. Church, we have a real and active enemy who wants to destroy your life and this church. That's just real. And God said the means of deliverance from that very real enemy is prayer. There's a guy named John Piper, old pastor from Minnesota. He said, we got to think of prayer not as this like domestic intercom, but as a wartime walkie-talkie. God, we're at war. Deliver us. Deliver our friends. Deliver our family. Deliver our church. There's this closing that if some of you grew up in church setting, 
you expected to come at the end of the Lord's Prayer. And it doesn't, the doxology, because earlier manuscripts, it's not in there. But what I will say is it does make great theological sense. Do all of this, Lord, why? Because yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. And yours is the glory forever and ever, amen. Do it not for my name, but for yours. So we're gonna close our sermon by praying through these three prayers. God give us, God forgive us, God deliver us. We're gonna start by going to him as father. Something we've been doing in this series. I wanna call you to it again tonight. We're gonna group up together and pray through these things. Now, that means groups of two or three. If you're a member of Mercy Church, I'm gonna say to you, I want you to, to take that risk and, and partner with somebody. Maybe you came with them. Maybe you don't know, know anybody. And I want you to pray through this. Out loud, this room should sound like a conversation, a bunch of them, because we're talking to God. Now, I will say, if that's uncomfortable for you, if you're not there yet, if you're brand new to Mercy tonight, you're like, I had no idea there was this kind of participation sort of thing. I'm not ready. Listen, when we go to prayer, you bow your head real quick. All right. That's, that's kind of like the universal sign. You're going to pray alone. All right. And that's okay. But if you've been here for a couple of weeks, we've been going through this series. This is the night I want you to, to take a risk and pray with someone and hear the promises of God spoken over you. All right, that's good for your soul. All right, here's the, I'm gonna give you 30 seconds and then that's to get your prayer buddy and identify, okay? I'm gonna give you 15 seconds and then I'm gonna lead you to the first one. All right, ready? 15 seconds, go. I don't think we need any music for that, but get your prayer buddy. All right, good job, way to go. Really, really proud of you, all right? Now, uh, here's what we're gonna do. This first one, this first one is just, uh, it's a thank you to God. God, thank you for adopting me into your family through Christ. I want you to, to pray that and I want you to think back to when that happened and you can just thank him, you can make that specific, okay? These words are more just like kickstarters for you to talk with your heavenly father. And if you've never received your adoption, as you're praying there with that other person or as you're praying by yourself, you say, God, tonight, I believe you died for me and I receive that adoption. I'm ready. I wanna come home. I'm coming home tonight. You pray that. You take a couple of minutes. You guys pray together and then I'll come lead us into the next
I want you to transition into asking God for what you need. Ask him to lead you to trust him, to depend on him. God, give us, give us our daily bread. Ask him to, to give, to provide, to show you places where you've been depending on yourself. Maybe that's what, if you don't know what to ask for, then that's what you need to ask for. God, reveal where I've been depending all on me. Put me in a place to depend on you. Take a couple of minutes, pray through that. I wanna move us into asking forgiveness, which means confessing sins to God and receiving again, embracing again, his promised forgiveness. This might also mean asking God for strength to forgive somebody. Ask him to free you from bitterness, to be able to forgive. You take a moment and you sincerely before the Lord, talk to him, respond as the Spirit leads.
All right, here's how I want to close this out. I want us to stand to our feet, still praying, but I want you to stand up and I want to, I want to pray over you. You speak this prayer if you need to as well. Our worship team is going to be getting in place. But I just want us to together say, God, keep us from temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. And maybe you just need to hear that God desires to free you from the shackles of sin that you've gone back into. And so as we pray together, you receive the deliverance in the gospel that God offers you. Let's pray together. Father, keep us from temptation. God, we pray. Keep us from temptation. Deliver us from evil. God, we know that you can. We know that you love your church. You call us your children. So daddy, we come to you and we say, deliver us. Keep the enemy far from us. God, I pray right now for those that are feeling like they can't escape, that you would break those chains by reminding them that the father is stronger than the one that would come against them. Spirit, wrap your arms around your children again. Pick them up and welcome them back home. Tell them they're free. Oh God, we love you. We believe you are our Father, and we worship you. We thank you for our freedom. We thank you for our adoption. We praise you in Christ's holy name. Amen.